staying in our series in Ephesians on foundations, which has been brilliant. It's been going on since September, I think we started it, but we're in relationships in the church at the moment. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, and it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So I don't think I've ever had such a moment when I'm preaching Uh, where three years of relaying foundations and building youth work in a church could come crashing down in just half an hour as the young people who are here this morning who honour and respect and look up to me both as a mentor, uh, someone who's exceedingly cool. um... (laughs) Thanks, Gary. (laughs) This is going to go so well, isn't it? when they hear you preach on and encourage them to obey their parents. So I'm really sorry, guys. That is what we're going to hear this morning. Uh, But hopefully, you're going to be hugely encouraged. And in the end uh, of of the whole thing, you won't have fallen out with me too much. So uh, thank you to the youth for being here. Uh, Now, for those of you who are not a child, uh, not a young person, are not a parent of a child or a young person, Don't think that this talk is just about parents and children and it's not relevant to you. So don't switch off. Um, It's not a talk on parenting techniques um, or how to bring up your child. I'm not qualified to teach that uh, and I wouldn't pretend to be. Again, I could tell you how my wife Kate and I bring up our girls, but again, with all the highs and lows of parenting, so could anybody else do that, I think, who's a parent. Uh, There are expert parenting workers out there who can give advice and tips and support, but that's not what this talk is going to be about. Just like the marriage talk a few weeks ago by Rob, the next, um, next week's talk on the workplace, this talk is for the church, and it's for the whole church. Yes, there's going to be moments that are specifically aimed at young people and children. There's moments going to be aimed at parents but it also contains some really important messages for all of us as we navigate this foundation of relationships in the church. So uh, strap yourselves in and we're going to get going. Because what I want to do today is to take us on a bit of a journey from these four short verses. I want to provide some cultural context to the world that Paul was writing into. uh, And I want to get into some of the specifics of what Paul was saying about children and parents that's across the generations, uh, landing maybe hopefully at the end of this with an encouragement for and about children in the church. I hope you will agree that by the end of these four verses that they are probably some of the most explosive and culturally radical verses you're going to have heard recently along with what we heard with the marriage talk and that Paul's seemingly quick rush through the idea of parents and children here in Ephesians actually has a huge amount of weight, power, and challenge to us today. So 
Let's pray before we start. Father, I thank you for what we're going to read in your word this morning. I thank you for uh, us being children of parents, but us also being your children here this morning. Children of God, that we have the right to be called children of God this morning. Father, would you come and would you just bless us, be with us by your Holy Spirit, and give us ears to hear what you are saying this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So there really is no getting away from it. The first few verses here are quite clear that children need to obey their parents. Now this word is a very, very different shift from Paul's previous passages that we've heard about wives and husbands where the words submission and love were used. Obedience is different. It's about listening attentively and actively to a command that is given. That is, obedience is to pay close attention to something that is said and act on it. Now, Paul is speaking into a world where culture and, and culture where children had even fewer rights than anybody else in the time. They were to obey. In fact, some of the in the ancient world, children were very much at the mercy of those who looked after them, specifically their fathers. Now, fathers had an almost unlimited power over their children. They could say whether they lived or whether they died. Many baby girls were abandoned. They could be sold as slaves. They could be punished as harshly as necessary, even in some cases being put to death by their own parents. Now, the honour and shame culture at the time served as quite a big restraint for that. The shame of losing a son or a daughter by putting them to death would have been quite uh, strong but the abuse was still real, and this is the context that Paul is writing into. And so as we've seen there's this, a number of times in this series how countercultural Paul can be, or how he refuses to put limitations on certain people, here it is again at the beginning of this short passage. The very first word that Paul uses is the word children. Paul is writing to the children in the church of Ephesus. He is raising their status from something low down to something high up. He's giving them purpose. He's treating them as part of the body of Christ and not an afterthought. Something we're going to come back to a little bit later on, but it's just so important to understand that Paul has no doubt shifted some people in their seats already reading this letter by even daring to address the children as part of his writing. So children, obey your parents. Let's have a look at verse 1. We see that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Now this phrase is really interesting. It could read that children are to obey their parents who are Christians. Or, because you're in a Christian family, obey your parents. But so many biblical and social commentators say that actually obedience wasn't and isn't today only limited to Christian parents. The theologian and writer John Stott says that actually obedience to parents is a natural law which should be written on all human hearts. It's a standard behaviour. The Greeks, the Romans, in the context that Paul was writing in, who had no belief in the Christian God really, commanded obedience from their children. And all over the world, there's different models of discipline and requirements for obedience from children. 
The general assumption in the Western world today is that children listen to and respect their elders. It doesn't always happen. And so, too, in many other cultures and countries, there's an expectation, even if it's unwritten, that children will respect and obey parents and older members of society. So it's not just a Christian rule. So it can't mean in the Lord as in because you've got Christian parents. The way this is written is similar to how wives and husbands are told to interact with one another. In Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives to your husbands as to the Lord, and husbands love just as Christ. As to the Lord, just as Christ. And what's communicated here is children obey your parents as part of your relationship to the Lord. Children knew they had to obey, but now do it as part of your love for God. Don't just do it because you have to, do it because you love Jesus. Do it because it is right, Paul says, or it's righteous. It's morally good. It, is, it was given in society for children to obey, but it's right to do it because of your relationship to Christ. Again, if you flip back into chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, what Simon spoke on a few weeks ago, there's a list of things that are improper. They are out of place in the Christian church. But obedience to your parents, children, is right. It's not only culturally and socially right, but it goes deeper. There's a weightiness of obedience to Christ, listening and acting on his words that is mysteriously reflected here in what Paul is saying. And so children and young people who are around in here, in your love for Jesus and his commands, I really want to encourage you to obey your parents. Listen attentively, act on their words and their instruction. But it's not only obedience for those who are younger amongst us. Paul presses in further into verses 2 and 3, into honouring. And this goes beyond just the young. You see, Paul goes on to say, honour your father and your mother. Now, honour is very different to obedience. It has to do with valuing, and it has to do with respect. It's one of our cultural values. Do we value and respect our parents at all the stages of our life. Most commentators agree that Paul is speaking to two different types of people. Obedience for children, however culture defines a child until adulthood, there's an obedience that comes. Of course, there might still be some aspects of obedience for older children and adults, but this will look different. Maybe an adult child living in a home living at home and needing to obey the rules of the house in regards to what time they're coming in, etc., etc., things like that. There is an obedience that comes then, but it's generally an obedience talking about younger children. And then following that into adulthood, there's a call to honour. So Paul tells us to honour our father and mother. First off, before we get into this, this is grounded on the whole section in Ephesians chapter 5, 21, which is where we're told to submit to one another out of a reverence to Christ. But we're specifically called to honour our father and mothers, as this is a command given by God in the Old Testament, and Paul states that it's the first commandment with a promise. And that promise that Paul says is so that it may go well with you 
and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Interesting, this wording is not exactly quoted anywhere in Scripture in its entirety, but Paul is reminding us of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20:15, where it says you're to honour your father and mother so you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then Moses' reminder of the commandments in Deuteronomy 5.16, which says, so you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So Paul's amalgamated these two together, which were clearly promises for Israel, which were fulfilled when they entered the promised land. But what Paul's doing is he's pulling it from the Old Testament into the New Testament and reflecting it in the new covenant following Jesus' sacrifice for us and living in Christ. That it may go well with you, and you can live long life on the earth, the land that God has given us. We no longer have just one land. We have the earth as the land that we live in. Now, it could be really easy to say, there we go, that's done. We'll gloss over that part and think that Paul may be referring back, and in his letter, everybody's just being nudged to sit up and take notice of the old scriptures But actually, there is something quite profound going on here. What Paul is indicating is the honouring of parents leads to a long and stable life for society. Like the Israelites settling in the land. Without honour, there is a societal failure. Now, I'm making no specific comments about our own society or societies around Europe and the world other than to say that we have seen and we are seeing some of the consequences of rules being bent and broken and not obeyed and the disruption that this can cause. Biblically, the book of Judges in the Old Testament is a perfect example of the downward spiral of when obedience is not prioritised. As Israel looked for a cultural answer to their leadership instead of relying on God, the catastrophic ending of Judges culminates with this spine-chilling warning. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone saw as he did fit. And Paul is reminding us here that the whole purpose of honouring our fathers and mothers at any age contributes to the moral fibre of the time. Without respect and value for everyone, everyone just does as they seem fit. Honouring parents leads to a long and stable life for society. This isn't really an individual angle to this. It's not as if Paul's saying, here's a guarantee that if you honour your father and mother, then you're going to live to a good age. Clearly there's those who don't honour, and they do live to a good age, and then there's vice versa as well. I mean, having said that, many of us do know what it's like when a family relationship is strained and honour and respect is fractured. It is hard, it's painful, and it's disconnected. Or when children have a defiant moment and are disrespectful to parents, there's an atmosphere in the house that seems to go beyond a falling out with other people. It's really hard to explain, but something seems to happen until reconciliation has been fulfilled. So Paul here is offering us a reminder again of what it means to submit to one another. Well, children, it looks like this, obedience. Adults to your parents, it looks like this, honour. Honour across the board as well. Why? Because it's just best for everyone. In this world today where it's almost expected that teenagers be rebellious and disrespectful, we can actually shine like stars in our culture and show a different way with obedience and honour for those who are 
our parents. So we've seen that the cultural expectation and the biblical command for children to obey their parents and the command to honour parents at all time, valuing and respecting them, is clear. But I just want to attempt to tackle the difficult question, is the command to obey and honour unconditional? What if the obedience of parents leads to a conflict to scripture? Maybe in the case of Christian children and non-Christian parents. Or as an adult, you find what your parents are saying and doing don't match up to your Christian values. Well, one thing I want to say here is it's actually really tricky and a really sensitive subject. And there's going to be many here and listening online later who have experienced parents who don't match up to the expectations of society or the Bible. Some have inflicted trauma, pain, conflict, maybe without intention. And this talk can't even begin to scratch the surface of this, but I just wanted to make a comment here just to make sure that we've covered it. And the first point here is to come back to the obey in the Lord point. John Stott, again, clearly teaches that children are not to obey parents without exception, but in everything which is compatible with their primary loyalty, namely their Lord Jesus Christ. Does what your parents are asking you to do match up with Scripture? With what Jesus commands and what he shows us in the Gospels? And there's a challenge coming from Paul in the next part of this towards parents. So uh, we'll look at that. But on the second point as well of honour to parents as an adult, theologian Klein Snodgrass, who Simon referenced a few weeks ago, states that the less integrity a parent has the more difficult honour will be. He talks about the extreme circumstances where honour can often be reduced to what he calls the office of parent rather than the person of parent. So that means honouring the overall view of parenting, continuing to encourage others and honouring those who are like parents to you, spiritual parents and those you look up to, and not assuming that all parenting is affected by their own lack of experience, their own lack of integrity or ability to honour their parents. Also, we can show honour by keeping our own integrity when talking about those parents who have shown less integrity to us than we should have shown. So we can be in, show integrity when we're talking about those who have not shown us the right integrity. Showing honour should never distort the truth. Paul's guideline here is around speaking the truth in love. Where the parent's will conflicts with the will of God, then the attitude of the early church in Acts is key. In Acts 5.29 it says, We must obey God rather than man. We can also look for those who are advanced in years and their faith, who can help disciple and grow us as we walk with Jesus. We can all be part of that as we grow with one another and parent one another in the faith. I know this isn't a perfect answer, and if this talk has stirred up any kind of feelings or emotions or questions, then please do speak to somebody afterwards and pray with them after the service, because it, it can be tough when we're talking about this kind of thing. So let's recap where we've been. Obedience and honour towards parents is a culture of mutual submission is important and it helps churches and it helps societies function in general. 
And now we come to this final small verse, verse 4. There's not only a responsibility from children and adults to their parents, but the responsibility from parents to their children. Now, our eldest daughter, she was up the front earlier, uh, is heading to secondary school in September. And as part of their transition day, we've received the school's agreement. Uh, In there is a commitment from the students, which in part goes like this. I will ensure I will attend school regularly. I will bring all the equipment I need every day. I will wear my school uniform correctly and with dignity at all times. I do all my classwork and homework as well as I can, and I act in a safe and appropriate manner at all times. Now, if the school were to stop there, that's fine. The kids then have something which they know they have to adhere to. But in the school agreement, it's the school's responsibility as well. The school will endeavour to care for your child's well-being when they're in school, provide every opportunity for your child to achieve their full potential as a valued member of the school community, and so it goes on. So there's an expectation from the students at the school, but there's also an expectation from the school to do certain things too, and that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 4, for parents. Children, here's what you need to do in the Lord. Parents, here's what you need to do. Paul, again, is flipping culture on its head in one fell swoop. You see, young people, this message really is for everyone. Paul starts with the word in verse 4, fathers. Now, this could be translated as parents, again. It's probably more accurate to use the word fathers in this in this instance, as they were the ones who had legal control at the time over their children. They were responsible for their teaching and training from the age of seven. Now, this is not the case anymore, really, in our world, as mothers and fathers have equal parental responsibility for their children. Uh, So I'm going to refer to the the translation as parents um, instead of fathers, just because I think it speaks into our culture. So parents do not exasperate your children. Here is the word children again. Paul really is emphasising a point here. Fathers would normally only train and teach the boys, whereas the girls would normally learn household duties. But Paul refuses to see girls as lower in society than boys, and so again instructs fathers for their children. Wow. We maybe don't get the power of that in our world, but it was pretty big for Paul to address fathers to train their children. He also tells them not to exasperate. Now, this literally means don't provoke your children to anger. We've already seen that fathers had almost unlimited power over their children, and that power was often wielded as harsh discipline. The warning is here, and again, is hugely countercultural. I keep coming back to it, but these four verses are explosive. Not to provoke your children to anger through your harshness. The power that fathers and parents have today may not be the same totality as back then, but there are still far too many homes where children are subjected to anger, violence, and abuses of many kind. And it is a fact that well, a well-known fact that hostile homes often produce hostile children. The cycle of violence is often perpetuated. 
In my work previously to this, I've sat with too many young people over the years and heard of the horrors that they've been subjected to. I've sat with young people who are violent and abusive themselves only to find that they've been subject to similar behaviour at home. And Klein Snodgrass again indicates that problems within the family are probably even worse in today's society due to the breakdown of family and honour, something which Paul addresses here from all those years ago right into the heart of our 21st century world. But this isn't a comment from Paul to say, well, change your parenting style for a more passive one. It's a warning to not bring our children and teenagers up in an environment which perpetuates anger and aggression. But Paul doesn't stop there only with the negative. He doesn't just say, stop doing it. He gives instruction. Bring them up instead in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, bring them up here. I love the translation of this. Is literally to nourish or to feed. Let them be fondly cherished, as another translation says. Let them be dealt with gently. Children need the security and love, the security of love and cherishing. And so with this baseline of love and, and nourishment, the two words training and instruction translate as training the whole mind and morals and care for the body with correction and discipline. And instruction means to warn or advise someone firmly and strongly encourage them. So if we were to put all of that as the translation into what Paul's saying here, it would say this, fathers and mothers, do not treat your children in the way that will lead them to anger in the future, but instead nourish and feed them in their thinking, in their morals and their care for their body with correction and discipline. Warn them advise them but with strong encouragement how different does that sound to the culture of control punishment and fear that was going on at the time and there's still a call here to discipline children and young people with self-control and love the, t- the preacher and teacher martin lloyd jones says that you can't discipline a child until you've disciplined yourself first <coughs> This is all done from a nurturing and feeding foundation, not one out of anger. Paul is saying anger is out and nourishing and nurturing is in. Now the implications for all of this as the church are there as well. We submit to one another out of love. There will be delegation from parents to the church family to help raise their children We did that in March with the baby Thanksgiving where we prayed and said that we will be there and stand with the parents at the front. And there should be a fierce and jealous guarding and protection of our children and young people as parents and as the church. Our children and young people are a precious asset to the church and we have a huge responsibility to them. Not to take over from parents but an assistance to them. This small passage in Ephesians 6 implies a value on children and young people that really isn't to be taken lightly by either parents or church. I've quoted him a few times, but Klein Snodgrass again says, they are not to be ignored or merely tolerated, but cared for and instructed about a life in Christ. He says that if stewardship is the proper management of assets, then Christian stewardship 
should focus first on the nurturing of all children. Neither the church nor the family has an asset more valuable than its children. So let's pull all of this together. There's a call from Paul here directly to the children of the church at the time. And now, obey your parents. Listen to them. Be countercultural. Honour them. Value them. Respect them. It's beneficial for everyone to do so. Adults, do the same with your parents, but never allow the will of man to supersede the will of God. That should never have to happen, though, if parents are fulfilling their side of the instructions from Paul to love, nurture, and care for children and young people. Teach them? Yes. Discipline them? Yes. And encourage them? Yes. All from a place of love and value that it is clear that the Bible gives. Paul's countercultural message, once again, blows apart the thinking of children as second-class citizens and pulls them into the heart of the mutual submission of love for one another as a church. Children are important to Paul and should be important to all of us, parents and church alike. And that's what we did this morning when we prayed for the children to go out. And so what I want to do, just to finish, uh, I would love it if we could pray for the children and the youth who are in here this morning. Just, uh, just give them a blessing and have the church gather around them as a, a prophetic sign that we are fiercely guarding on their walk with God, that we're not going to see them as uh, kind of the children of the church, but we see them as the church together. So if you are under 18 years or under, um, I'd love it if you could, like we did with uh, the leadership team a few months ago, is to come and stand down the aisle. And I would just love uh, youth leaders to come and gather around. Parents, please go and gather around your own children if they're here. Uh, pray a blessing of love and nurture over them. They really are one of the church's most precious assets. Let's pray for this generation. This generation is uh, has been so, uh, prophesied so many times recently that a, a revival generation that is going on. Something is happening amongst the young people around the world at the moment. And so we just need to bless them, honour them, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill them right now. So we're going to just take a few minutes to do that. Um, if you're around one of the young people, just start praying, just start uh, asking God to come and fill them. Yeah, so Father, we just want to ask that you would bless each one of those young people in the room here. Those who aren't here as well, who couldn't be here. Those who are out in the kids' work, Lord, we just pray that they would know you fresh with them this morning. Father, would you put a hedge of protection around them as they go into the places where we don't go, into the schools and into the colleges. Father, would you, would you be with them and may, they be, may you be their rock and their guide. Father, may they shine with you in their culture. May they shine amongst their friends. May they just exude you and your Holy Spirit as they walk around those corridors and as they hang out with their friends, Lord. May they be different because of you. And may they show you in everything that they do. Father, thank you for all you are. Thank you that they are so precious to us as a church. And Lord, help us. As, as adults in this place and parents and spiritual parents to these youth and these children. Help us 
Help us to train and instruct and to teach and to encourage and to honour them and see them as part of the church even more than we do right now in Jesus' name. Amen.